Good evening. Thank you for coming. We will continue with Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We'll be finishing this Sandarbha this evening. A few final comments and then a recap. Some of the highlights. So I'm going to read directly from the 110th Anucheta, the final Anucheta. Remember that at this point we're discussing we're discussing the logical aspect, the sixfold criteria by which the object or the subject of any text can be determined. So again, those six criteria were the introductory and concluding statements, repetition of the subject throughout the text, originality, in other words, the text will present a subject in a in an original manner, that you'll come away from the text with the result of having more knowledge of the subject that the text centered on. And throughout the text, uh, you'll find glorification of that subject in so many different forms. And the last of the six, which is the subject of the Anachita annotated this evening is logical confirmation that you also be able to arrive at the conclusion of the text by applying logic. Uh, looking at the subject logically you should be able to arrive at a similar conclusion as the author arrived at through the presentation of his text. So we went over the logical premise uh, that Jiva Goswami uses in establishing that Swayam Bhagavan, Sri Krishna, is the subject of the Bhagavat Purana. We're going to kind of continue with reading a little bit from the Anucheda and then some, uh, some more comments from the commentary which will wrap everything up. So Jiva Goswami writes in his Sandarbha, the, the inference of Bhagavad is as follows. In other words, we went over the logic employed to how do we infer, first of all, that there is the Jiva, and then because there has to be consciousness, because things cannot go on without consciousness, Jiva's given some remarks. Now understand this is all coming from the Bhagavatam itself because Jiva Goswami quoted a text, a sloka from the Bhagavatam from the second canto. Bhagavan Sri Hari is indicated as imminent within all living beings through his own self-expansion. By virtue of the fact that the intellect and so on are perceptible objects of subjective awareness. The existence of a self-luminous seer is concluded through corresponding indications pointing to such a self-luminous seer and through inference. So that's the verse from the uh, third, I'm sorry, the cha second chapter of the second canto that Jiva Goswami uses to as the formulation for his his presentation. 
So basically the inference was from the verse to be taken further. I mean, first there has to be a seer that's distinct from the body because without one, there's nothing in the body that could do anything. Even if you looked at the mind or the intellect, they're both just tools. They're inert. They have no, they need, they need an agent of action to bring them into action. So now from that, there has to be Paramatma because that agent of action isn't the be-all and end-all of the experience of the jiva. The jiva doesn't, although the jiva is conscious, there has to be another conscious entity above the jiva because the jiva isn't the agent of his own experiences. He may have precipitated and conducted himself in such a way that those um, that his destiny could be experienced, but there has to be an agent to effectuate the destiny, to put the jiva in the circumstances where he experiences, well, what we commonly know as karma. So. What is that agent? It has to be an agent that is superior to himself. Jiva's made that point. We don't, although we're the, we are the initial, um, we perform actions that inform the reactions that we experience, but they in and of themselves don't precipitate the actual reaction. The reaction generally comes later and it's experienced in what we refer to as, well, it was in the stars that I was going to get a good wife. It was in the stars that I would be uh, healthy, wealthy, wise. Uh, what's that song? <laughs> I want to be rich, famous, and I want to be rich, famous, famous and powerful. <laughs> so whatever, or the opposite side can come to us too. So Jeeva's said it's only there has to be somebody else. There has to be an imminent self that makes the arrangements for those experiences that we have as a reaction of how we've conducted ourselves in the past. We, if there was no agent to, that effectuated that, if we were in and of ourselves able to determine what we would experience now and in the future, most of us would change what's coming down the pike. Most of it would say, I'm not going to die. I want to live forever. And sometimes the jiva becomes so determined in that respect that he, he makes all kinds of arrangements to determine his future. 
all kinds of arrangements. He performs tremendous austerities. He stands for years in one position on the anthill and lets his body be consumed in an ultimate tapasya so that he can attain the power to determine the future, his future destiny. And perhaps that determination by him is my future destiny is eternality. I will, I will, no one, nothing under any circumstance can ever kill me. I am eternal. So we have a determination there. Uh, we've made an intent, sankalpa, I'm going to get this. And we perform actions to attain that. Most jivas don't have that much determination to let themselves be eaten alive in order to attain eternal life. But once in a while you find one. And we have an example of one in the Bhagavat Purana itself, Aranyakasipu. And he tried his damnedest to make sure he could attain that eternality. Unfortunately, he didn't take every single circumstance into consideration. There has to be another agent. He found out there was another agent. He thought he had done it all. He talked to the head man in the universe. He became that powerful. He talked. He thought there was no one above this. This I'm talking to the. This is the creator of the universe. If he gives me my eternal life, then I've got it. Of course, the creator said, "I don't have that myself, but what can I give you?" And he was so full of himself that he thought that he could trick destiny through word jugglery. Well, I won't be killed in the day or in the night. I won't be killed by any man or any beast. I won't be killed by any weapon. I won't be killed inside or outside. So many, so many benedictions he, he got. And he thought, I've covered it all. Now I actually am going to be eternal. He just didn't cover one, that other agent. So that's what we're talking about here. Of course, he was killed by Krishna, Bhagavan Sri Krishna. But we work, Jiva works us up to Bhagavan Sri Krishna gradually in this logical presentation. So from the jiva, he goes to the paramatma. Generally, the paramatma, and you can even say that under the circumstances, it looked like Aranyakasipu even, he covered the, the whole paramatma aspect. It did, it did take Swayam Bhagavan as Lord Nishringadev to come and, and dispatch him. Anyway. That's Leela. But the point made, then there has to be Paramatma. Paramatma 
through his own potencies, is able to make sure that we experience our destiny. And unfortunately, we can see by the example of Hiranyakasipu, that destiny is not eternality within the material realm. That's not part of it. And now Jeev is going forward and he's saying, okay, so we've inferred that there has to be an imminent self because we ourselves can't control everything. We can't do it all ourselves. There's something else out there. Even if we become the best of the best or become the, or, or put all of our energy still there's another agent and he has the final say so that final agent within the material wealth uh, realm the imminent self is paramatma so now jiva is continuing to say but we can also from this infer that there has to be another super self over Paramatma. So he arrives at as follows. The influence of Bhagavan is as follows. The inference, I'm sorry, that there's a Bhagavan. The supreme absolute regulating feature, Isvara Tattva, in the form of the imminent self, Paramatma, of all living entities, Jiva Antaryami, being endowed with but limited power is under the shelter of its all-encompassing whole, Amsitattva, Bhagavan. This is due to the fact that Isvara's divinity finds its ultimate conclusion only in the complete whole. Just as the authority of a manager who engages a carpenter depends on the authority of the king. That's the way Jiva's getting to Bhagavan. He's saying, Paramatma is the manager. And the manager may employ a carpenter, ourselves, the Jiva. So this is the analogy that Jiva Goswami is using in his Anucheta. But ultimately, the manager reports to the king. Alternatively, in this context, the following verse should be cited. And then he gives the, gives us the following verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. Just as a single object of possessing many attributes, such as color, taste, and so on, is perceived in diverse ways by different senses operating through divergent paths, so is Bhagavan's, Bhagavan variously realized through different processes recommended by variant scriptures. That's from the third canto, 32nd chapter. By this it is also demonstrated that there is only one subject that is common to all scriptures. Gati Samanya. The meaning of the Vedanti verse, Vedanti verse has thus been distinctly established. Mm-hmm. At the end of last class, when you were giving that step three and the um, logical conclusions, it was about how Paramatma was a servant of someone. Yes. 
and let someone be the Lord. But that, you're not, Jesus not addressing that. Uh, he just addressed that. Oh, he, he just addressed that by saying, this is due to the fact that as far as divinity finds its ultimate conclusion only in the complete whole. Divinity finds its ultimate conclusion in the complete whole. Just as the authority of a manager who engages a carpenter depends on the authority of the king. So he's in his Anacheta proper, he has used this analogy to bring out what we going over in the last class from the commentary. Remember, we jumped ahead to the commentary as an easier way to approach this particular Anacheta. This additional idea is there of the senses. And each sense is based on its functionality, perceiving an object differently than another sense. So we're going to kind of elaborate, go through an elaboration of that in this commentary to see how it again fortifies this logical approach to the subject of the Supreme um, as it's presented in the text of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Jiva Goswami continues as follows. Thus ends Paramatma Sandarbha, the third book of the Bhagavat Sandarbha which was written under the instruction of Srila Rupa Goswami and Sri Sanatan Goswami, the revered leaders of the Royal Assembly of World Vaishnavas. They are unalloyed servants of the lotus feet of the Supreme Lord, Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the purifier of the jivas in Kali Yuga, who descended to distribute the benediction of his own devotional worship. And thus ends, here ends Paramatma Sandarbha. A couple things from the commentary, then a little summarization. These statements demonstrate the existence of Bhagavan as superior to primordial nature, the jiva and even Paramatma. These conclusions are supported by statements of Bhagavad Gita and Vishnu Purana. This is called Gita Samanya Nyaya, or the subject common to all scriptures. Now the analogy comes in that Jiva concluded with. Just as color alone or form is the object of everyone's vision, it is Bhagavan alone who is established in all scriptures. Diverse scriptures may offer different information about Bhagavan, but their subject is one only. And this brought to mind that whole idea that Swami Triparari presented when he was speaking at the Buddhist, what is it? A, it is considered a temple, Buddhist temple. Perennialism. There is only one main subject of all, of all religious, uh, well, of all spiritual disciplines. If we were to look at the subject from the angle of the Bhagavatam and specifically from the, the main verse of these first three 
sandarbas vedanti tat tatva vidas tatvam yas jnanamadvayam rameti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate so what Guru Maharaj was establishing in that general lecture that he gave is there's a perennialism that we can find that and we can and there's a way to distinguish it we can see it we can experience it that there's something common to the various spiritual paths no matter how the disciplines the the details of the disciplines are taken up there's a commonality to the result of those disciplines that there's a commonality in no matter what the spiritual tradition the true what we would call the the top rung the mystics uh, in our tradition we call them the sadhus you know the in the in you know, I think the, the best terminology is the one he used. The, the true mystics of the tradition, they have this commonality. And the commonality is the nature of their character after prolonged practice of whatever the discipline is, is in their, in their tradition, whatever that practice may be, there's a commonality with the result of deep practice and that commonality comes out in their character. So if we can see that commonality that these people, they have control of their minds, they have control of their mind senses, they're from, 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 our, from the layman's or the general person's viewpoint, they have a very, very specific character, and there's characteristics that are that are common. They're truthful, clean, so so many things. So this perennialism is there, and because the result of the practice we observe yields the topmost practitioners of the same character, they have the same nature, we can logically arrive at a conclusion that there is a commonality to the object of their worship, the, uh, the objective of their worship. So he, he presented nicely the, the fact that, that it only makes sense that the mystics, no matter what the religious tradition, if you look at it, the mystics, they're all the same kind of people. They, it's like they, they're, they come from the same they're cut from the same cloth, no matter what the tradition. So that's kind of that also kind of brings out uh, as an example uh, what's being said here so there may be different approaches so you we may have a form 
and the different senses are going to to give their input. But what's it say? Our differentiated senses provide different kinds of perception of one and the same object. For example, the tongue informs us about an object's taste, the eyes about its color and form, and the other senses about the corresponding perceptual properties of the object. All the senses, however, convey information about one and the same object. In a similar manner, the different schools of philosophy all speak about the one absolute reality. Moreover, the mind is the internal sense that perceives the object in its entirety, unlike a particular sense that provides information only of one specific quality. Naturally, we arrive at... Similarly, Bhagavad Purana offers the complete picture of reality because it is revealed by the Absolute Himself unlike other scriptures that are propagated by particular sages. So we sit back and marvel at, at the approach of Jiva Goswami. He's taken, he's taken us uh, this far. He's set the groundwork for what is going to be the true core essence of his presentation. He's taken us this far. And next he's going to say, okay, now... Here's Krishna. We've talked about God. God has these characteristics, Bhagavan, and we didn't he, we didn't really get specifics about that yet. And he's he's fortified that. And then he's talking about the talked about the intimate self, the God of creation. So there's God and his characteristics, and then there's how we experience God. Within, from our vantage point, it can only be that there is a Paramatma. So now we've, we've looked at Paramatma extensively in this Sandarbha. We've looked at Paramatma in his ontological, in the ontological sense of Paramatma, and then we've looked at his primary Shaktis, of which we are one, and the substance that constitutes the environment that we experience is the other. So now, now we're concluding this discussion, and he's going to go on and say, okay, let's get to the, the heart of the matter. Who actually is, what actually is the supreme absolute truth in his own nature? And that will be the Krishna Sandarbha. In his own nature. We experience him in this nature according to the, the nature of this nature. It has a beginning, 
a beginning, it has a middle, and it has an end, and it has a repeat function. And it just keeps going on. Beginning, middle, end, beginning, middle, end. And that in itself is Paramatma, the Lord of creation. And he manifests and he accompanies and he's, and for, for all intents and purposes, if we look at most spiritual inquiries into a personal, a personal God, Paramatma would fill the bill. He, he, has, he does it all. He is that imminent self. He's within your heart. He's given you the environment. He's he's I mean, it's this is all Paramatma. That for the most part, that is the conception of God that most practitioners have. He is the supreme, the supreme imminent self of everything. But now we're we're talking, well, What's God, and that's really what where we're at now, what's God have to say about himself? What's God have to say about it? And that's the Bhagavad Purana. It's God explaining himself. And that's the point that Jiva made, and that's the point that he's making here at the end of the Paramatma Sandarbha. If we because it's this is about now establishing the validity here at the end of the book, he's establishing the validity of the Srimad Bhagavatam. This whole hunt starting you know, with this whole presentation and the different ways of looking at it, it's all been about one thing. What is the subject of the text? Well, and where did it come from? And he's pointed out and made it clear every which way there's only one. This, this is the topmost presentation of the absolute truth, the Bhagavad Purana. You can't get any closer to talking about the essence of reality than when reality itself explains itself comprehensively. That explanation, uh, that comprehensive explanation is not presented anywhere else to the extent that it is through the Srimad Bhagavatam. And it permeates the whole text in every which way, from the beginning to the end, to the glorification, to the repetition, every way. In the, every six general ways that a text could do it, Bhagavatam does it. Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. And now he's going to take us into that. So, Bhagavat Purana offers the complete picture of reality because it was revealed by the Absolute Himself 
unlike other scriptures that are propagated by particular sages. Gati Samanya means that all the Vedic scriptures speak only of one topic, topic mainly, namely Sri Bhagavan. Some scriptural references for this are as follows. Um, a quote from the Bhagavatam, the Vedas are intent only upon Krishna, Vasudev, from the Gita, by all the Vedas, I, Krishna, alone am to be known. Throughout the Vedas, the Ramayana, the Puranas, and the Mahabharata, Lord Hari is glorified everywhere in the beginning, middle, and end. Mahabharata, Swarga Parva, 693. Thus, it is concluded that Bhagavan is the subject of the Bhagavat Purana. Here ends the discussion of the Vedanti verse with which Bhagavat Sandarbha began. Vedanti tat tat vidas tat vamyas gyanamadvaya. So the Krishna Sandarbha is not based on the Vedanti verse? No, we're just going to go further than that. Okay, we were having a good discussion the other day. Well, of course, it's in there. Right, but it's not the... It's not the main focus. Primary. Right. Praman, reverse, Prameti, Paramatmeti, Bhagavaniti, Subjate. Is where... So the Bhagavan, Iti, Subjate, from the Vedanta verse, is a generalized description of the Supreme Absolute Truth. Oh, that Bhagavan is a generalized description, not the... Right. Now, Krishna is the, is the most specific description we can get. And that's what permeates the Bhagavatam. Anyway, we'll get to that when we start the Krishna Siddharva. There's a nice introduction that we're going to be reading through. So, where have we been? This book contains 110 Anuchetas the one we just completed, Paramatma Sandarbha. Jiva began the book with a description of Paramatma as the prime knower of each physical body distinct from the individual self. He then explains the three manifestations of Paramatma, Karnadakshai Vishnu, Garbhodakshai Vishnu, Kashirodakshai Vishnu. Um, he describes the three avatars Guna avatars of Paramatma and that Vishnu is supreme. Then he delineates the intrinsic characteristics of the pure self, the jiva, based upon a description given by Jamatri Muni, a follower of Sri Ramanuja Acharya. Thus, in 29 Anuchetas, he completes his explanation of Paramatma's intermediary potency to Tasta Shakti. In the next eight Anachetas, he describes the extrinsic potency, Bahiranga Shakti, specifically in terms of its two primary divisions as instrumental and constituent, Namita, Nimitta, and Upadana, causes of the cosmos. The cosmos itself is shown to be a real product of Paramatma's real Maya potency. 
And as you remember, we went into some detail as to the fact that it's not an illusion. And the Advaitin's perspective does not hold up in any way under every way of scrutiny scrutiny that could be applied to it. And Jiva took the time to do that. From Anacheta 58 onward, Jiva addresses the Vivartavad view of Advaitavad and established Shakti Parinamavad as the principle enunciated in Bhagavat Purana. All right? In other words, Vivartavad, it's not an illusion. It's a real Shakti of a real person. This is an important issue because the the prescribed means of attainment, Abhideya, depends upon its clarification. You're not going to attain something that you don't have a a clear and profound understanding of. How can you attain it if it's if it's nebulous, if you don't really know what's the nature of the Supreme Absolute Truth, completely, how can you attain it is the point that's being made here. And that's why Jiva went to such trouble to show this idea of Shakti Parinamvad, that it, ha- it has to be a Shakti. We can see that also, and somebody may say, well, why can we concern ourselves with, with whether we fell from Vaikuntha? You have to be able to understand the nature of Vaikuntha if you want to go there. It's, it's part of the process. In the beginning, it may not be uh, paramount to uh, our initial understanding and philosophical grasp of our nature and the nature of the Supreme, but as we go on and we start to realize what does constitute the goal, and the goal is to serve in that perfect environment, the, per- the perfect environment of the Lord's Dom, we need to know what what's happening and the, what the Lord's Dom is about. We can't have, we can't carry the baggage that we've experienced in this material realm to that transcendental dom and think that that's applicable, that there's mundane lust, that there's mundane envy, that there's mundane faults of any kind in that transcendental realm is an offense to that realm. Just to think that way. So, this whole concept, you can see how these these things do become significant as time goes on. Now, my spiritual master, Srila Prabhupada, in the beginning, he was asked by his students, and he gave an explanation to placate them based on what he felt was an explanation that would take advantage of their religious tradition through centuries. The whole concept of following and the whole concept of you are responsible for the fruits of your own action. The subtleties of understanding 
the the nature of how the material universe works and the and that these statements in scripture are naughty always ever i mean these are very very subtle esoteric spiritual points that require fine discrimination to to enter into these mysteries and this bona fide spiritual master gradually grants us entries into the, those understandings as we go forward in our practice. We'll leave it at that. But you get you get the point. It's not that the spiritual master is cheating you or he's purposely deceiving you. He's saying, read this little article, the Tall Fruit article and just be content and keep going on in your practice when the time is right when the necessity is there then we can broach this subject more comprehensively for now I don't want you to concern yourself with it I take you back to this simple thing the child is told very very strongly by the parent the road in front of the house is never to be entered under any circumstance. At a certain point, the kid's going to want to go across the street. But he has to develop, the he has to be trained in the discrimination between a pedestrian walking down the street and a Mack truck. <laughs> he has to be, no, you know, the... There, there's differences between these, and one of them can mortal mortal harm can come from it, and the pedestrian is going slower, and you can run across the street. You don't have to be concerned. So anyway, detailed knowledge. So Shakti Pariman Vad was covered. Jiva elaborates on this topic in detail, concluding in Anicheta 81. From 82 to 92, the topic of Maya's relation to the Jiva and Paramatma is examined. The topic of the Jiva's bondage and liberation is central to this discussion. Liberation is conclude, concluded to be the possible, to be possible only by the grace of Bhagavan. The next subject, Anucheta 93 to 104, concerned Bhagavan's impartial status. Bhagavan acts exclusively for the welfare of his devotees. That was a nice discussion. I mean, it, it really took you into the fact that, really, that God doesn't play favorites except when you are on his team. But those favor, that favoritism of his devotees is truly not in any way a expressed as a material favoritism. It could be seen as such, but, I mean, when the battle of Kurukshetra was about to be fought, Krishna said, who wants me? You can either have, what, his, his, his army. army, or you could have his person. From the material viewpoint, the opposition got the better better end of the deal. A huge army. Just Krishna. Huh? God 
on you. Yeah. So we can see that what's being spoken of here as far as favoritism to his devotees is on the transcendental plane, not on the material plane. And then we could go into that. That was a deep discussion. And again, it's it, it bears repeating uh, the significance of that. Beginning from Anacheta 105 to the end of the book, 110, Sri Jiva demonstrates using six indicators that the subject of Bhagavat Purana is Bhagavan. Thus ends the Paramatma Sandarbha. We will begin our discussion next class with an introductory. We'll go over an introduction, rather long introduction of the Krishna Sandarbha before we actually get into the Anachetas, but it'll get us thinking in the in the mood of the book. And we'll proceed from there. All right. Thank you so much for your association.